Hello, I'm Paula Fanous and welcome to Formidables, a podcast series speaking from the heart of Western Sydney. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to amazing artists, young and old, who share with us about their creative careers. We are broadcasting from Darug country, so we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Good afternoon to our audience at home. Today we have Sabrina, Peter and Liam, uh, all of whom are excellent dancers uh, coming from Scottish or Irish backgrounds. So without further ado, hello team. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hello. Hello. Okay. It's really good to have you here. So uh, one at a time, could you all please just share with me uh, your name? your dance form, and just a brief timeline of your creative career so far. All right. I'm the oldest. I'll go first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My name is Peter. I come from an Irish background, Irish dance background, as well as tap and I guess jazz, ballet as well. I started out as like a jazz tap and ballet dancer and once Riverdance kind of made it, on the scenes, Irish dancing really blew up over here in Australia. So I started Irish when I was 10. I then competed in Irish dancing till I was like 18, but I then stopped and went into a diploma of performing arts. Meanwhile, I was doing all styles of dance up until then too. From there, I did two years down in Melbourne. I toured with, um, a couple of Irish shows in Australia for about a year and then I auditioned for a show in Ireland called Noctu and got the lead role in that and that went to New York and from there I went got into Riverdance did that for four years as well as Heartbeat of Home as the original cast member on that show and then came back and really delved into the world of tap dancing and kept my Irish roots happening throughout my tap which has really elevated me with the Americans, which is awesome. And yeah, now own my own Irish dance show, Airborne, as well as a founder of the Australian Tap Company in Sydney. Yeah, and there's a beauty to that because you can't keep doing the same thing. You've got to keep finding something new, digging deeper, new art forms. Uh, Sabrina, Liam, what about you? (laughs) You can go first. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Um, so I come from a similar um, background to Peter. I um, started at three years old doing ballet at my local dance studio and um, I did jazz ballet. From there, I also did dance at high school. I did it for my electives year nine and ten. And it was from there that I got into contemporary dance. I started to think, a lot more about what I actually wanted to do with my life or what I wanted to study maybe further on. And uh, so then from there, I decided to audition for the MacDonald College in Sydney. And I I got in and I moved to Sydney. Um, so that's my, I suppose that's my introduction to dance. But on a on another note, um, when I was growing up in Alstonville, that's where I grew up, I had a Scottish friend 
and she was a friend of my mum's and she said oh I'm thinking of starting some Highland classes at our studio so we were like okay cool let's do it because I've got Scottish blood my grandmother comes from the Bruce clan and um, so we thought yeah yeah great I'll, I'll have a go and I think I was about eight when I started doing Highland dancing but then once I went to the MacDonald College was which is actually originally Scottish school MacDonald um, I then started to explore a bit more about my my Scottish roots my ancestry and I went to Scotland I got a scholarship which is the BBM scholarship it's a youth allowance and I got to go to Scotland and compete in competitions but what was more I suppose significant for me was the opportunity to dance in the Edinburgh Military Tattoo, which is a big spectacular show. Uh, I think it's on every year around Christmas time. And I also got to um, attend a local school in Edinburgh where I got to do my teaching exam for Scottish Highland Dancing. So, yeah, I, then I, I mean, I, I came back and I did a a degree in dance and now I'm currently doing my master's of education for dance and drama uh, so I suppose that's a wriggly line pathway um, where I am today uh, but uh, what I am interested in and I suppose we'll, we'll talk about this later is the, um, the intersection of highland dancing with contemporary dance. Liam? Okay so my dance journey started when I was six years old. I joined my dance school and we, I only joined doing jazz. And then I saw my end of year like dance concert where all the styles like come and perform. And I saw they did Irish. And so over the holiday break of Christmas, I decided to basically like teach myself watching the video on repeat like just over and over, just learning the steps. So obviously I had some sort of interest in it. So then I joined the classes the next year and ever since then been doing Irish dancing. Over the years, I've also picked up doing contemporary ballet, tap, just everything. I've picked it all up and that has like brought me to training at Brent Street this year, like doing the Diploma of Performing Arts. But with my growing up, I've focused a lot on the Irish because that's where I competed mainly. I really enjoyed the competitiveness of all like the competitions and everything. And as I started to get a bit better and stuff, I went into state and national championships in Australia. Um, and I started to win them quite early on. And then I reached the age where I could compete internationally at the World Championships. In 2013, I went to Boston and I competed at my first Worlds and I got 16th, which I was very happy with considering never got anything before. And then over the next um, four years, I kept going over to England, competing in just the little competitions and then I started to build up the ranks. I got fourth three times in the world. Then I bumped up to second and then I've won it twice. So I'm two-time world champion um, for Australia. 
Um, I'm the only two-time world champion for Australia. Um, there have been many others who have won it like once, but I'm the only one who's been able to retain the title, which is very nice to think. So what a journey you've all been on and with great successes, and I'm sure it took a lot of hard work, determination and passion and love for your craft. So well done to all of you, really. Uh, so my next question is for Sabrina. Uh, Highland dancing and Irish dancing are quite dissimilar, and yet they are joined at the hip in the sense of uh, they stem from two nations that have both had a history of conflict with the British. And so my question is, in your opinion, is Scottish Highland dancing political or is it just a rich cultural expression of Scotland and Scottish ideals? That's a great question. (laughs) Um, Thinking back historically, it was a, I think it was more of a cultural practice and in saying that, it's because um, they, it was actually, it started as a highly male dominant sport and it originated from battles, the, the, the rigorous training uh, for the clans and they would use the dancing as a form of training uh, to go into the battles and so in that sense, yes, I think it is cultural, but I also think it's political. And it, it would have been political back then in the 1700s because during the time of the British oppression with the Scots, they weren't allowed to speak their native language. They weren't allowed to wear their kilts, which is the tartan skirt, their national dress. Uh, And they also weren't allowed to do anything cultural at all. And there's actually a dance uh, that we still perform to this day and it's in our our competitions and it's called the Chantreux. And that is pretty much, I don't know if you could translate it to shaking of the trousers. So when when the Scots were oppressed, they couldn't wear their kilts, they had to put on trousers. And once that, uh, once I suppose they created this dance, there's an action where they shake their leg to the side into a second position uh, for the dancers. They shake the leg to a second position and that represents shaking off the trousers, Chantreux, shaking off the trousers. So I think that's very political and I mean, I just think of uh, the the classic movies like Braveheart and the funny scenes in that, and you know they they're quite cheeky and um, they they whip up the kilts and you know they show off a bit of skin. I I think that's political, and I also can see that in this dance, which is the the shaking off the I suppose quite symbolic shaking off the um, British oppression. So. Um, my next question is for Peter and Liam. Um, what is one thing you wish people knew about Irish dancing? And you could link it to this this whole political context or just your favourite thing that people often don't know. I'll go with the fact that the style has evolved so much. So technique-wise, Irish dancing, you're always crossing over your knees 
and your feet are turned out, okay? But originally, Irish dancing was parallel. So back in the day, like there were styles called known as Shanos, uh, which is a different style to even Irish dancing as we know it. And every county has their own kind of special dances. Like, so obviously in Ireland, you know, you can move 20 minutes and they'll have a different accent. It's the same with a dance. So they could have, so there's a traditional set dance called St. Patrick's Day. And they could do St. Patrick's Day in County Mayo a little bit different, say certain technique wise to the next county next to them, which might be 15 minutes away. So it's like they each have their historical ways of doing things. And um, yeah, I think it's just the fact Irish dancing has evolved so quickly into this, you know, kind of new style almost compared to how it actually began, which is now so athletic and like completely turned out and yeah, just different to how, how it originally was. Yeah. And I'd bet that knowing that history uh, allows you more creative freedom in how you choreograph your Irish dance because you're not just viewing it in the way that it's presented today. You know where it came from and you can play with it a little bit. Completely. I think when I did Air, when I created Airborne, I knew because of who I'd studied from and everything from when I went to Ireland, because there was more to competition in my mind by then creating Airborne, I was like, oh, who says I can't? dance in bare feet in this number or who says I can't actually create some tap techniques in with this Irish technique because actually the more you watch competition now the more tap techniques are actually coming in as like tricks but it's like seen as a new step in Irish dancing you know so it's it's quite yeah it's quite um intriguing actually yeah it really is and Liam yeah what's one thing you wish people knew about Irish dancing yeah um it was touched on a little bit just then, but like the athleticism of it all is just so incredibly, it's just so hard to actually perform Irish dancing because although it's like we're only dancing for around a minute to two minutes, depending on like the dance or whatever, the amount of stamina, strength, endurance that you need to sustain that high level, like high quality of dancing is just so hard considering especially through the evolution of the style like you have to jump a lot higher you've got to be able to be more flexible you've got to have the strength to like hit the floor and make enough noise throughout the entirety of a dance which like in the past it hasn't been as it hasn't been as important but now everyone's well everyone's training so hard and so much to maintain a high level of strength and everything it's Although it looks easy, it just is impossible to sustain it all. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess whenever you see a cultural art form developing into a competitive art form, there's going to be that added athleticism and competitiveness and, and struggle. And and I'll ask you about that later. <laughs> For now, what I'd really like to know um, from all of you really is how being trained in Celtic traditional dance art forms has helped you enter into the contemporary dance space in Australia. How has that made a space for you? Oh, I might, I might jump in um, <laughs> yeah. and I'll try and answer the best. Um, I think for me, this is quite new. This is new territory for me. And uh, it's only been in the last 
oh, year, year and a half since something has sparked in me. And that's because of uh, when I, I was, I performed in Encounter, um, part of Form Dance Projects and directed by Emma Saunders. During that process of creating that work, Emma went around and she was asking about our different cultures and uh, whether there were any dances that we had that were part of our culture. And I said to her, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't have any. And then she goes, yeah, but don't you do Irish dancing? And I said, oh, no, I do Highland dancing. But yes, yes, I do. Okay. Anyway, so during that process, uh, I got to play with a lot of different movement qualities like jumping, continuous jumping, which we do in Highland, but just jumping um, with your hands by your side, feet turned in, that's it. And then I also got to play with um, manipulating the fling, which is a traditional Highland dance. I got to put that in encounter. Um, so I think this spark has come from the process of this of encounter and working with Emma. And I suppose from there, I kind of decided to look in a bit deeper. I could see that there was ways that, well, I hadn't heard of anyone doing Highland dancing, but also bringing it into the contemporary realm. So I got in contact with Emma again and she asked me to be a part of We Are Here Company Curators Program and she said, you can just choose whatever you like. We can do anything. We can go off something we didn't encounter and develop something more into a solo and I said, I really want to do something with my Scottish roots, my Highland dance training and work out what we could find, what we can delve into. And then from there, I started to, I, I think I've only skimmed the start. I've only skimmed the surface. I'm only at the beginning, but I can see myself deconstructing Highland, the traditional form, whilst also holding the integrity of the, the traditional art form. I love humour, but I don't want to make fun of this this art form, this this sport. And I would like to see what I can do bringing my knowledge from contemporary dance and and having a look what relates and you know what doesn't relate and um some finding something there my experience in the highland dancing world is that you've got our competitions so you do you do highland to do competitions or then you've got our australian dance team um oz scott who's directed by cheryl roach um, she's from Brisbane. So you can go off to different countries and perform in those spectacular shows like the Edinburgh Military Tattoo. So you've got that performance side. Um, but what I've been finding from that performance side is that there's no, uh, it's it's very uh, commercial. Um, so I think it's, this idea has come from that. Well, what's, what's in between? What's, what, 
had that something as a dance form that's come from something very competitive, very vigorous training, and then also this other glitzy, glamorous side, which I totally appreciate. I love it. And I mean, I've performed in shows that we had lights on our skirts and we could turn the lights on and then we would be illuminated in the arena and I thought that was just amazing um, but now I'm wanting to look at stripping away that glitz and the glamour stripping away the competition and looking at the the human doing it and what what's going on for them so yeah yeah and I'm sure you'll learn so much in deconstructing it and yet respecting it I really mm. like that you said I'd like to present like a progressive form of traditional dance that respects the tradition Mm. and so just that process of looking really deeply into it and thinking okay how can I respect this and yet add to it Mm, mm. I think that's a that's a great journey to go on as a dancer and it'll it'll be really rewarding I'm sure yeah so um yeah Peter and Liam um yeah so for me Irish dancing there's two elements and I think both elements to me have really helped me as a foundation for everything I do but like Irish dancing definitely just is like it is the bottom line like teaches you so much you know um so there's two elements in Irish dancing there's the soft shoe which is much more balletic it's like the jumping and you glide you know you're dancing across the stage really high on your toes and everything like that and then there's the hard shoe which is all rhythm based um, which is what you hear, you know, a lot, what you see on river dance a lot of the time, you know, the fast beats and all that. So I think those two elements help in so many different ways. Like I'd go to ballet class and from doing soft shoe in my Irish, all of a sudden, you know, in Allegro, I'd be jumping higher than everyone else in the room, you know, and it's just because you develop muscles like crazy. Cause you're, you are training as like an athlete when you're an Irish dancer and then, of course, on the other side, the musicality side and hard shoe, like, I think, you know, one of the elements you'd be um, working on is your rhythm. So I think having having that training in the rhythm, I now hear everything musically very different, you know, so if I am choreographing and it's like something something comes back from the foundation of Irish dancing, even as a tap dancer or even as you know, if you're, you know, choreographing a jazz piece, I'd hear something different to say someone else in in that sense because I've had that training of like having to be straight in the pocket of the beat or or even dynamics of different things like that. But um, I think mainly I think the strength of Irish dancing has really given me a career because it's it's the foundation of like you know, as you're a child and stuff, you're training, you're training and training, your muscles are continuously like getting stronger and stronger. I know as an adult to try and start Irish dancing, it's like nearly impossible, you know, like, and to even make Irish dancing look right, it takes so long. So I think, yeah, I think, I think I have been fortunate in the fact that I did that when I was younger and that's carried me through in a lot of directions. Yeah. It sounds like Irish dancing has Uh, really set the foundation for the work ethic you need to be a successful contemporary dancer as well as that that understanding of the importance of music and rhythm and I don't know if it's been done but I would love to see with with um, 
was it hard foot or hard tap? Hard shoe, yeah. Yeah, with hard shoe, that rhythmic element being uh, accompanied by hip hop. Because they're two completely different art forms, but the rhythm is essential to both. That's an idea. Well, it's like funny you say hip hop. Like the show I did in New York, the last um, piece was like 20 minutes long. It was to Tchaikovsky. So it's like really like, you know, you can put anything. And we actually wore a kilt in that piece. It's really cool. Um, I have to send Sabrina that link. But yeah, it's 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 really can go with any type of music. So I want to ask some questions about Western Sydney because I know that it's played to varying degrees uh, quite an important part in your development as artists. So how has it played that important role? And are there any cultural or aesthetic similarities that Western Sydney shares with Scotland or Ireland? Well, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up, grow up in Western Sydney. And I, I mean, I only moved to Sydney when I was 16 and I lived in the inner West but I've always had a connection to Western Sydney. I work in Rydalmere and then I was also fortunate enough to perform in Parramatta. So I think it was from there that I've, I suppose I had this, this connection. But from a dance perspective, a Western Sydney has shown me the arrange, like just the, the culture and the different languages and the different art form, a dance art forms. And you can walk down the street and you could see someone busking and just be like, awesome. Like, you know, doing some cool moves and you're just like, yeah, great. Like, I love that. Um, and I think that's what I noticed when I was spending a lot of time in Parramatta and performing in um, Alfred Park. So I think that by observing that and experiencing it, it's kind of opened up me as a dancer to embrace everything and just to put out what you've got and don't worry about what others are doing. Hold true uh, to who you are and you have a voice. Everyone has a voice and you can present that because I know from like growing up as a Highland dancer and you'd go to say Dancer Stedford, you would enter the national entry and and people would go, No, that's that's not a national um dance form and we're like, What? It comes from Scotland. Like what are you talking about? So it was kind of this this Highland side, this Scottish dance was I kind of buried it a little bit and I didn't access that um, and I didn't allow it to come to my, my, my contemporary part or my contemporary life, my dance life. And then since going to um, Western Sydney, that's when it kind of made sense was like, no, this is my culture. This is what I think and this is how I dance and this is what I've grown up with. So just to see that being expressed by others in different ways, different art forms and different dance styles really allowed me to open up my eyes but also open up my spectrum of dance. Thank you, Sabrina.
Peter, what about you? How has Western Sydney uh, played a role in your development, your creative development? Um, I feel like Western Sydney, it is a great support network. I think like as soon as someone does well, you know, it, it's put on, it's put out there in, in, into the community and it's like, look what's happening in Western Sydney. Like, look, everyone has like such a proud moment because I think one thing I do know is, you know, from being around the area is that everyone is very hardworking, you know? So when someone does do well, you know, they've had to like work hard to get there whether it's you know two parents that work full time trying to take you to the dance classes every every day of the week and you knowing that yourself as a performer so that makes you push yourself even harder to like not give up to be like okay I have to do this because of all the sacrifice everyone else has done for me but um I think you know even growing up everyone you know knew that I love to dance and everything like that and it's still I feel I still feel the support today you know my my mum is a nurse and every time she works in western sydney as well and every time she puts something up on the notice board all the nurses buy tickets to my show and it's just like those little things that, that you got you know that you're part of this community that will always have your back and to me you know sydney is a very big place so to feel like you're even in part of this kind of part of the world that is in such a greater Sydney as we call it it is it's like it's a special thing and I still it still makes me proud to see if I get into the local paper and it's still a proud moment so yeah I think um the community has always been like strong and supportive and yeah that makes me proud yeah thank you Peter I'm sure there's a lot of really happy and confident people from Western Sydney listening right now yeah (laughs) Liam, how about you? I know that you live in Western Sydney. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah, so I've um, grown up. I've lived in, like, West Pennant Hills, Cherrybrook area for my entire life. Um, So I've grown up here, and I started my dance training and everything in Carlingford and North Rocks area. So, like, obviously my creative journey started in the Western suburbs. So, um... Yeah, that's been nice. And like through growing up here, everyone's just been so supportive, like everyone in class and out of class. Obviously growing up in school, like you'll have the some people who won't necessarily like agree with, oh, boy dancing, no, whatever. But like everyone who is close is like amazingly supportive of the journey and everything. But yeah, even the people that I started my first started training with and everything who don't dance anymore they're still also supportive of the journey that I've personally had with dancing from being successful locally and then when I started to become successful like in competitions out of um internationally I would always get like messages or something from people that I hadn't heard from in ages wow so proud um of how you've progressed as a dancer like primary school teachers still message me I've just finished high school so it's quite nice to see like the community in the western like suburbs and everything just come together so nicely to support everyone it's just a nice thing to know that there's always like people there who like care about your journey and want to support you like all the time and that it's just really nice and yeah Absolutely, there's a whole community behind you all. 
So um, actually building on what you said, um, Liam, about some people not understanding being a boy and dancing, I think that's really silly, especially since you've said that it takes tremendous athleticism and hard work to compete. It's, it's as you're an athlete as well as a dancer and that's very traditionally masculine so that should be seen and respected and even dancing as an art form i mean i've seen billy Elliot. yeah <laughs> dancing isn't a joke yeah. yeah when it affected me mainly people like disagree it's mainly like primary school like the little kids like who like the little so-called bullies of some sort who like don't necessarily agree oh boys shouldn't dance dancing's for girls you should play like football or something like that's mainly what would tear me down sometimes through time I've become to understand like dancing requires so much dedication and hard work it's absolutely insane so like just accepting like I don't need to listen to what other people have to say about what I enjoy doing it's just been nice for that sort of stuff in primary school I used to like when I started winning big things when I got fourth I originally got fourth in the world for the first time when I was like in year six and I was like really proud of it and I used to bring like my trophies into school sometimes of my big achievements and I'd be like look I did this and like my friends would be like supportive and stuff and then there would be people who would be like boy shouldn't dance blah 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 stuff like that And so, like, it started to, like, stop me bringing, like, stuff in like that and bringing it up. So it, like, kind of shut me down a bit. But going into high school, I auditioned for Newtown High School of the Performing Arts and I got in there. So then going from a public primary school to Newtown where I, like, got in and there's so many other dancers there and other boys there, I really opened my eyes to, oh, yeah, this is fine. Like, I can do what I want. It's fine. And, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that you overcame that challenge. Uh, So my question to Sabrina and Peter is, um, what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome on your road to to being where you are today? So I remember once, I suppose this is my most horrible experience, and it probably doesn't seem so bad now, but it was during the time I was in America performing in a in a tattoo, in a show. And I got really sick, like really sick. And I didn't think I could keep going. And my roommate, who's a very good friend of mine, she was worried. And we, it was an absolute struggle getting through that time. And it knocked my confidence so much that I came back to Australia. And I said, that's it. I'm not doing Highland anymore. And I think I was about 20. And I said, yeah, I'm not doing anymore. Why would I put myself through that? And I came away from what was supposed to be an amazing experience back with that nearly ruined me. And it knocked my sense of confidence as a dancer because I know for many dancers, regardless of what style you do, you push your body to the limits and you even if you've, you're a little bit sick, you still go to dance class and you just keep going and going and going. But there is a time where that push it has to stop somewhere. And that's what I felt. And I took a couple of months off Highland and dancing. I just stopped and took a break. And it was from there that I had to rebuild myself 
and um, rebuild my confidence, uh, my feeling that I had a had a voice or had some sort of ability. I just felt like I couldn't even dance anymore. So it took a real oh, good, I don't know, three months to just going step by step, um, rediscovering myself, as cliched as that sounds. And then that's when I actually got into uni and then did my Bachelor of Dance, which was kind of absolute flip. But it, it was during that study that I had to kind of redefine myself or find out who I was, which was very challenging. Like I just remember going doing my first uni performance and usually something that would come quite naturally for me to go onto stage and perform, I thought... I can't do this. Mind you, a couple of months ago, I was dancing in front of thousands of people. Like, it was just weird. So, yeah, it was a real um, emotional and mental uh, strain that I think I found very tough. I really admire that you took the time and went all the way back to square one and, and took those three months to take care of yourself. And, and not just for dancers, like for all of us, that we really do need to take care of ourselves, especially as performers, because, you know, just like a car needs gas, we need, we need that regular care. So, yeah, Peter, what's one of the challenges you've had to overcome as a dancer? Um, I mean, I feel like the moment we start something like full-time performing arts, you know, you realise that you're in a mix of a lot of talented people. You know, you might be the best in your small dance school growing up and you, you come out with this like crazy big confidence and you then delve into this whole nother world of like, holy moly, there are so many talented people in the world. And so like from the beginning of that, I, I knew that like I was going to have to work hard and then at first I thought I really wanted to do musical theatre so I trained singing and even though I loved singing growing up it wasn't like my most confident thing because as a dancer you're always told oh you're an amazing dancer and if you're not at that level as a singer you're like oh it's you just don't show it to anyone you know so I knew that I loved it but I was like oh yes I want to do musical theatre and obviously my path took on a different way and I got through you know the Irish dancing um path which I am so lucky to have done. But, um, you know, coming back, my biggest challenge was I had made a career for so long from like the age, you know, till about 27, 28. And I got back to Australia and it's like I had to start again. Like I didn't have an agent. I'd already done stuff. You know, I was in the middle of London and they were like, oh, stay here. Like, you know, you can get an agent here. But I had to come back and it was kind of like I had like really had no one that knew who I was or what I, you know, what I had achieved and stuff. So I feel like, you know, my biggest challenge from then was going, okay, Pete, you can do this. In this industry, I feel like it's a, it's a series of, you think that the top of the mountain is like right at your reach and you're like, yes, I got to get the agent. You think that's reaching the top of the mountain, but like, it's not, it's like, no, there's actually a higher mountain up there. So it's like, right, next level, you know, you've got the agent. Now you've got to nail all these auditions and hope that you get one. And there's a series of no's and that's normal in this industry. So it's a lot of like those, it crack you down, but you just got to go, yep, the next one is for me. Irish dancing is special, I think, because 
to me, a lot of the time for shows and stuff, it can be based on talent. Whereas a lot of the time in a lot of shows in musical theatre or other things, like it's based on, are you the right look for that part? Are you the right height? Are you the right age? You know? So I think the hardest part is trying to hear a no in this industry when you know it's not something you can really change, you know? And I think that's why I can really appreciate the, the, my roots as an Irish and tap dancer because based on my talent, that's how I'm getting my work. Absolutely, yeah. And you can't let those <laughs> notes stop you. You can just adjust, relearn, come back better, stronger and, and climb the next mountain, I guess. Man, there's a few mountains, but it's 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 always like there's going to be many more challenges in in each of our career paths, you know, but I feel like it's just pushing through and going, wow, like I actually did that. And it makes it interesting as well, doesn't it? The those challenges. It's okay, what's the next thing? Okay, I'm going to try. Let's keep doing it. This is what I'm going to work towards. Yeah, otherwise yeah. it'd be boring. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, and there's a few hurdles along the way, you know. It's like, okay, now you've got to do it with no water. Now you've got to get up that mountain. <laughs> but you do it, you know, because, like, that's why you, you got the hardworking ethic, so. Yeah. So um, I know that COVID has hit, well, every industry pretty hard, but especially the creative arts. So what piece of advice do you have? for the young Scottish, Irish, and perhaps even Welsh dancers who are listening in at home or people who are just really passionate and want to explore that, that type of dance, what piece of advice do you have for them? Um, I would say just if you want to do it and you enjoy doing it, just go for it because there's nothing besides like external factors holding you back. If you want to do it, just go for it and enjoy it. Yeah. Short, sharp and sweet. I really like that, Liam. Thank you. I would say um, as as an Irish dancer, um, as a competitor, if you want to compete, like Liam would know this, it's, it's you have to go over and beyond to be the best because there's always someone out there practicing when you're not. But as an Irish dancer that wants to do shows, I would say versatility is like the key thing. I think like even even if you just want to do an Irish dancing as a competitor, I feel like um, a lot of Australian Irish dancers do do other styles and to me it makes them stand out from the rest. I think especially in the Irish dance shows with the, all their experience from growing up doing different styles of dance, you know, it really puts Australians at like the forefront um, as performers. And just even if it's, you know, even if you're an Irish dancer and you want to try something new with tap, you'll learn something that you can put into your Irish routine that makes it different. So it's like have, have your foundation, but like don't ever stop learning. Very well said. Sabrina? Uh, I'd like to, I suppose, extend on what Peter said and uh, look from a competitive side because that's how I started in Highland, um, is that it's not the be end all. Like it's not the only thing out there. And I would say to delve deeper into the history. I'm a history nut. I love it. 
um, but also find the artistry in the sport, in the art form, the dance style. Um, find what it is in you that makes you tick. Why, why are you doing it? That's a big question. Why are you doing it? Um, and if it's for competitive reasons, then great, keep doing it. Like I've got nothing against it. I think competition is very great and, um, it's healthy for you. Um, but I think there's, there is more, there's more to, to competitions for young, um, Scottish dancers. And, um, I, yeah, I would say to, have a look more what you can do. Uh, like Peter said, have a look at different dance styles because they will help you no matter what. Like ballet will help you with your technique but your artistry. And, uh, yeah, just see what else is out there and um, don't be afraid to have a go, fall down and then come back up again. Just have a go and... Um, connect, connect, connect with everyone in the world because you'll be really surprised that there's people in South Africa doing Highland dancing and um, all all over the world in France and America and it's just so great. Oh, the Netherlands and Russia. Um, so to um, broaden your horizon of the Australian um, Scottish dancing scene and see what else is out there. Yeah, just keep exploring. Mm. Okay, so thank you so much, Sabrina, Peter, and Liam. This has been a delightful conversation. I've learned so much, uh, and I hope I see you all soon. You've been listening to Formidables, a podcast series commissioned and produced by Form Dance Projects. We thank Riverside Theatres, Diversity Arts and Information Cultural Exchange for their partnership, and we thank the Crown Resort, the Packer Foundation, and Create New South Wales for making this possible. I hope you all feel inspired and excited. Stay creative and stay tuned.